World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to Creepypasta. I'm the host, Jeff, and I have not recorded this show since August, and right now it is late November, and boy, I wish I could remember what it was like. Um, <laughs> I, you know what, maybe I did, no, it was definitely the like second to last week of August, or maybe the last week of August that I recorded this most recently, and uh Boy, that's been a long time. Um, your actually audience not even going to be hearing this until the middle of January, so you won't know at all. Uh, but the episodes that you heard before the, the three episodes before this and the three episodes after this were all recorded over the summer. So this one I'm sticking right in the middle because it's, uh, I like to break up the trios. Ever since I started doing this single guest format, I've done, uh, like different episodes and then a trio. Uh, what it was it called? A no, just trio, I guess, is the right term. Anyway, um, this is an episode about the movie My Friend Dahmer, written and directed by Mark Myers, starring uh, Ross Lynch. Yeah, that's it. Ross Lynch in the title <laughs> role. See, the reason I forgot was because I looked at the DVD cover or the Blu ray cover, rather, and his right. uh, name is not on it, uh, despite the fact that his head is the biggest. On, is it, is on it, it not on the cover? Oh, you know this what? It's really bizarre. I got it from the library, and the little sticker is covering <laughs> his name on the far left. He is credited on the far left of it. Ross Lynch, Anne Heche, Dallas Roberts, Alex Wolf, and Vincent Carthizer. Um, very weird to see Vincent Carthizer playing adults in things, since the only thing I know him from previously is playing the annoying child on uh, the television program Angel. Um, with me to talk about this is a uh, acclaimed movie star and uh, <laughs> extra from the film, Mia Kribel Bruno. Hello. Uh, so, I want to, before we get into it, read this little bit that uh, from the comic by Durf Backderf uh, about sort of the impact of this story, like the reason behind the story a little bit. Uh, Durf writes, This is a tragic tale, one that has lost none of its emotional power after two decades. It's my belief that Dahmer didn't have to wind up a monster, that all those people didn't have to die horribly, if only the adults in his life hadn't been so inexplicably, unforgivably, incomprehensibly clueless and or indifferent. Once Dahmer kills, however, and I can't stress this enough, my sympathy for him ends. He could have turned himself in after that first murder. He could have put a gun to his head. Instead, he, and he alone, chose to become a serial killer and spread misery to countless people. There are a surprising number out there who view Jeffrey Dahmer as some kind of anti-hero, a bullied kid who lashed back at society, at the society that rejected him. This is nonsense. Dahmer is a twisted wretch, rather, Dahmer was a twisted wretch whose depravity was almost beyond comprehension. Pity him, but don't empathize.
empathize with him. So I just wanted to put that out there because um, we're going to talk candidly about this um, story, which is about a real person uh, who killed real people in the real world. And I just wanted to let you know up front that I agree with Durf on this matter, um, that though this was a preventable uh, tragedy, it is um, not one that is that takes any agency away from the killer himself. He chose to do all these horrible things, um, and he chose to continue doing them until eventually he was caught. Um, so that's that's that. Um, let's get into uh, the story itself. Well, Mia, why don't you give us a little background on how you um, became involved with the film adaptation? Yeah, sure. It, it's kind of a funny story, actually. So I was in Ohio visiting my grandparents because I study over in London. So we were going for a big family trip and my grandmother's partner decided to splurge and got a hotel room at the Marriott. Uh, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because that actually has something to do with later in the movie. Um, it got a room at a hotel and we all went to the pool and had a lovely time and got talking with this couple at the pool. And that was Mark Myers and his wife, Jody. And <laughs> I got chatting with them about how, yeah, I'm an acting student in London, um, visiting my family and kind of need a summer job, something to do to keep me busy. And he said, oh, well, I'm making a movie if you want to be in it. Uh, and that's kind of how it all went from there. So it was a really well-paying, uh, basically to be a moving prop in the background. <laughs> you kind of get shuffled from room to room to wait until they need you to walk across a hallway or, you know, sit on a bench. Uh, and it was a really good way to pass the summer. And the crew was amazing. The cast was amazing. And Mark was a, a lovely guy, both on set and off. Excellent. Uh, did you have any lines either in the final film or cut, just maybe even random chatter? Uh, yeah. So you can hear me say, oh, I have it in my notes somewhere. What did I say? Because it was, oh, how was your summer was my, my big claim to fame oh, wow. in the background of the movie. Yeah. I was watching um, for you in all the high school scenes. And the only place where I spotted you is in the history class when the history teacher asks Dahmer uh, why is it important to learn about history you are like right in front of the camera for that whole entire shot Yes. Yeah, we had to do that. I think it was about six different times because they had to cue me without making noise to like lean down on the desk so you could see Ross. Um, but I wasn't looking at the camera guy who was the guy who had to cue me. So we kind of had to guess the amount of time it would take for the camera to slide down and when I had to lean down. Oh, move the um, magic. Yeah, it, the, it was a, my first time on like a proper film set. And it was interesting to see how it's supposed to be done as opposed to how students do it. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I mean, this is his uh, fourth film, apparently, and definitely mm -hmm. his biggest uh, so far. I have not even heard of his other movies. Uh, his Wikipedia page is sparse. Um, as far yeah. as as far as film directors go, um, but anyway, let's get into the story. Um, I want to, you know, more preamble. Sure. Um, <laughs> so this is a fairly straightforward adaptation of the um, the comic book, which is. Um, 
about Jeffrey Dahmer in high school. And I say it's fairly straightforward because it depicts many of the events of the comic in a very matter-of-fact way, sometimes using the exact same words. Uh, but it's the tone is totally different in the movie than in the comic, because in the movie... The central character is uh, John Backderf, known uh, known mononymously as Derf. Um, and in the movie version, he's almost like a side character. He's not the lead. Um, he is on the cover of the Blu-ray, Blu-ray credited fourth, played by Alex Wolf. Um, it's it's a, an interesting creative choice that you um, would keep the title the same but um, not have it be from the perspective of the character who is speaking in the title. Right. I, it was Watching it back again, it was so weird to see how little like screen time he had in comparison with some of the other characters because he is so central in the comic and seemed so central in the scenes that, that I was a part of with filming. So it, it felt a bit odd that he wasn't more of a, a driving force. Yeah, it's interesting because you had the perspective of um, being a random high school student at this uh, whatever, I forget the name of the high school they went to. I, I don't remember, but it, it is Revere, a Revere high, an elementary school in uh, Akron, Ohio. Right. Uh, and to be a um, to be in all those scenes, you'll see Durf, and you'll see um, the other the the like drug dealer guy and Durf's friend, yeah. um, and you'll see all these people and think the movie must be mostly about them. But then when you actually watch the movie, there's a lot of stuff outside of the high school that's just yes. Dahmer creeping around in the woods. Yes, yeah, and it was stuff that I had like no knowledge of until I went and saw it, and I thought, wow, this movie is a lot more than I thought it was. It, it covers, like, well, as it kind of makes sense, it covers a lot more of his life. It's not just about his interaction with careless teachers or friends. It really has a lot to do with what was going on in his own head and at home. Yeah. It, yeah, and it lacks the, um, the, the whole comic, even the scenes of Dahmer alone, still has that uh, voiceover, so to speak, of Durf talking about the way this person is. Uh, yeah. And it's so interesting to lose that perspective in the movie. Anyway, let's walk through the movie uh, sort of beat by beat. Sure. Uh, we start off in uh, sort of the woods. Um, there's a creepy-looking blonde kid walking down the street, glasses, with a garbage bag, right? This is he picks up a, a dead cat and puts him in a garbage bag right away. That's where we start? Yes. Yeah, uh, I or do we, yeah, no, like we he, start on the bus. No, on the school That's bus. Right. Yeah. We start on the bus. After school. Uh, and this, um, this blonde kid stares at a runner as a runner is going by um, and then we then we get to him um, carrying around this this dead cat in a garbage bag some kids are like what's up with that dead cat he's like I'm gonna go dissolve it in acid he shows them his lab where he dissolves animals in acid so that he can play with the bones yeah um, yeah apparently he said in an interview that he likes the way the bones sounded <laughs> like clacking against each other great and that's why he wanted to remove all the flesh. It's, um, you know, not a troubling hobby for uh, someone who turns out to be a normal adult that doesn't kill people, but looking back, yes, definitely yeah. not ideal. Uh, where do we hit next in the movie? Um, um, we see yeah, then it's just a bit more at home, so we kind of see how uh, toxic the situation is between his parents and his kind of 
uh, weird relationship with his younger brother as well. Right. And uh, do we, I, th- I believe we meet the decorator at this point. Yes. Uh, yes. There's a decorator with cerebral palsy who in the movie is just presented as a character. In the comic, it's hinted that um, Dahmer might have made this person up. Um, because his mother suffered from seizures, and one of the things that he does is he imitates this, uh, he tells his friends that he's imitating this, uh, decorator who's, his mother has hired, um, when he does his, his sort of acting out, his, like, twitching and yeah, seizing doing up. a Dahmer. Yeah, he, he does a Dahmer. Um, but then later in the comic, it is presented that, um, he was actually make he was actually mocking his mother, who would seize up, and then from exhaustion pass out and that was sort of part of why his home life was very difficult was having an unhealthy mother who was also like addicted to pills and mean to him yes Um, it's not uh, ideal no it's you know unpleasant i would say as far as uh things to witness in a story yes um the book is also much more explicit about um he's watching these joggers because jeffrey Dahmer was closeted gay um which the shame from that is uh, part of what broke his brain um, because it was the 70s uh, and in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and so having, you know, whatever problems he had in addition to this thing that he was ashamed of about himself uh, sort of combined in a very bad stew. Um, in addition, yeah, He to kind not- of just had everything counted against him and mixed together in the worst possible way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, these this group of friends, this Dom fan club, which I believe we finally meet uh, maybe like 15 minutes into the movie now um, with um, Dahmer at school. He, what is he does a, he do, he does the flip out in the hallway and then they all decide to become friends with him. Is that it? Um, yeah, like there'd been like little interactions. Like I think Durf is in science class with him and in band with him. Yeah. Um, um, but then Dahmer finally does a Dahmer in the hallway and he like pretends to have a big seizure in the middle of the hallway. Um, and then he, uh, Durf and Durf's friend, who I don't know if the movie ever says what his name is, and I don't remember. Is that, uh, the redhead? So Neil, I think was his name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and then, uh, well, there's also, <laughs> I don't think the drug dealer guy comes in, but his name is Lloyd Fig. Um, and he is, that actor has shown up in pretty much the same role of like skeezy Tino in other <laughs> movies. Uh, I guess in, he's got the hair for it. Yeah, he was in Halloween and he was also in uh, Blockers, the teen sex comedy from earlier this spring. Um, anyway, we meet them and they see Dahmer have this freak out and like, fall on the floor and they're like, we should uh, be friends with this guy so that we can make him do more clown stuff for us. Um, and so they invite him to sit, they invite him to sit with them at lunch. It was a hard sentence to get through for some <laughs> reason. Um, and they form the Dahmer fan club, um, which is, you know, it's interesting because this person was very, very famous, a very famous serial killer, and also was sort of a mini celebrity at his high school. Um, yeah, but it was, was a weird interaction with students like he wasn't yeah. celebrity in the sense that people wanted to be around him it was more you know they just want to watch what he did next yeah exactly everyone like knew who he was but nobody liked him or like knew about him yeah he was um, nothing but a a, a shtick to perform yeah. 
Uh, and it's it's interesting though that until this comic came out, this was sort of like the untold story beyond like, oh yeah, he was kind of a weirdo in school. Mm. Um, yeah, it gives you that that kind of insight into maybe what the impetus was for what he later did. Yeah. Uh, then we get the the issue is it's sort of in vignettes. So remembering the order of these vignettes, uh, even though I watched the movie just last night again, was yes. difficult. Uh, I went and saw it in theaters because I had movie pass at the time, and you know that means I would go see every single movie that came out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I saw it in. They didn't do like a wide release here in London, but they did a special screening thing, and Mark was there as well, and he oh. like did a little talk back after the movie. Oh, nice. Um, and so that was the last time I saw it before just watching it again yesterday. Yeah. I um, I went, I had to go to like the far away theater. There's like one that I go to close at the mall that's like 10 minutes from my house. And then there's one that's about half an hour away at a different mall that I go to sometimes because it has weirder indie films. Uh, I saw... My friend Dahmer there, I had to go there to see um, Three Identical Strangers and Leave No Trace. Um, and I like that one better also because all of the theaters have uh, you choose your seats instead of random seats. Uh, yeah, that was a weird thing to get used to going to like movie theaters here in London is that that's the only option. You can't just pick one. You have to like select it ahead of time online, I book wish, your tickets. I wish that it was like that um, because I would like to be able to decide what time I'm going to see a movie based on how many other people uh, have already bought tickets for it. <laughs> I suppose I suppose that's one way to do it. Yeah, which I can't do unless I'm going to see in like Dolby Digital or IMAX. Let's you have to choose seats for those. Right, where they they care to count yeah. how many people turn up. Uh, anyway, they do this little fishing scene, and uh, Neil, I guess, is like, just throw the fish back, and Dahmer takes out a knife and like cuts the fish up into bits. Um, yeah, he's he, like, he I, wants to see what its insides look like. Yeah, um, this is fully like he pulls the fish up, and it's one, two, three, four pages of the comic, and then a fifth page just devoted to him saying, "I just wanted to see what it looked like." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very, very sort of drawn out um, comic, but presented really matter of factly in the movie. Um, yeah. We cut back and forth to the school a lot. One interesting change from real life is, well, I guess, and from the comic, is the story takes place over the course of, like, four years or three years. Um, and the movie, it all just seems to be in their senior year. Yeah, I think it's, like, the last semester of the year before and then senior year, maybe? Yeah. Or maybe just senior year. But, it, yeah, in, in the comic and actuality, it was, like through the end of middle school up through all of his high school years that, yeah. that he was having these problems. And like he started drinking at, at 14 and coming to class completely drunk when he was just a kid. And yeah. It's really sad. Yeah, his, um, it's like the start of junior year, they already show him like drinking full flasks outside of school so that he could sort of numb himself. Yeah. Um, he called it his medicine. Yeah. Yeah, it's we we start to see some of that maybe about halfway through the movie um, of him just showing up like way extremely drunk to school and nobody is like none of the adults are doing anything about it. Nobody cares. Um, mm. uh, you would have thought his dad would have been a bit more 
aware considering the mental issues that his mom had and perhaps they would be like genetic and would have wanted to pay a bit more attention to some of the like um addictive tendencies that he was showing yeah yeah you you have to wonder like what did his how much how aware were his parents of what was going on his mom probably not at all but his dad must have had some idea of like there's something going on with this kid but i guess on top of trying to raise another kid and deal with a wife who's like hooked on pills uh was not ideal but i mean i don't know it's it's like it's hard to lay blame at anyone's feet but also you kind of want to lay a little bit of blame at everyone's feet because nobody like nobody did anything instead of like maybe one person did a little bit no nobody did anything at all no Um, it was just kind of left him to his own devices we eventually see uh i'm not sure how much movie goes on of them just sort of bopping around partying showing him like drinking alone and having these weird fantasies but they eventually go on their senior trip um and in real life well let's start with in the comic book version derf is not there for this but Dahmer arranges a meeting with their with um vice president walter mondale um i read some article online that said mondale was not at his office when the students got the tour of the office but i could not find why they believed that this was the case because i like in the comic he's there and jeffrey Dahmer and a couple of his classmates meet uh walter mondale uh and then in the movie version it's um Dahmer and the Dahmer fan club are the like all the classmates who meet um meet walter mondale sort of by accident as he's passing by right um yeah like he had just called on a whim and managed to get through to one of the aides and they're like yeah sure why don't you come to the white house (laughs) back before there was any security at all ever (laughs) yeah i wish it was um i i wish it was like i don't know it's so interesting that it it was so simple then but also i it totally makes sense that it wouldn't be now i guess i i sort of wish we lived in a simpler world in that way but also it was bad in a lot of other ways because it was 1978 yes uh is this the point where he right after this in the comic book anyway he's about to uh, he try he's like gonna kill a dog and then he decides not to and lets it go um and then, yes uh, i think or i think um he goes to see the doctor who is also the jogger that he was really interested in right. first this is and Vince, then vincent carthyser's character dr matthews yes um, which is um a very very weird scene um uh, really uncomfortable yeah he gets a boner at the doctor and then he goes home and jacks off about it and it's very uncomfortable yes. um they, uh, him and his friend, um, we're definitely going way out of order. Um, him and his friends, uh, oh, he also has a fantasy about the doctor being dead in his bed and cuddling with him. Um, right. which is taken straight out of the comic book as well. Um, they, the Dahmer fan club do a prank where they put Dahmer in every single club picture for the yearbook. Um, right. Oh, yeah, that was a while ago. We are going out of order. <laughs> yep. Um, but then the teacher finds out about it, and she goes and blacks out his face in all of the pictures that he doesn't belong in. And right. at this point, the comic includes one of the actual photographs, where it's a bunch of normal kids, and then this one figure whose face is blacked out with a marker. Um, and it says, this photo would become the symbol of Dahmer's wasted youth, the boy who didn't belong. Um, you know, pretty good prank, 
but troubling in uh, retrospect, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think more like most troubling is just the fact that he was thought of as a thing, not a person. Yeah. You know, he's a prop to be placed for a gag. Yeah, yeah. They There's, like, the unspoken um, thing of it is the reason that it's funny is because he's this weird, like, tall, gangly kid that nobody really knows or likes. Yeah. Mm. It, it's... Very upsetting. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty troubling. Um, I don't think we get the scene of him getting jumped by some bullies. Um, we sort of are skipping ahead to prom at some point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, although, yeah, then there's the bit with the dog. The dog's name was Bob Dylan, which I thought was a fun little fact to well, share. Fun. I loved that. He was a sweet, sweet pup. Um, oh, yeah, and then the parents are arguing about who's going to get custody of the little brother, but they don't seem to ever bring up Jeff's name. Right. Because the parents are now talking about splitting, um, I believe, right uh, around graduation time. I know in the movie, um, mom leaves on graduation day. Uh, but yeah, she bounces, never hears from him again. Um, it's like totally... She she just leaves. Um, she moves to California. She gets remarried. Um, and she reconciles with um, Dahmer after his imprisonment. Um, and in the news, uh, after he's killed, she says, is everyone happy now? Um, she never <laughs> spoke publicly again after that and then died of cancer age 64 in 2000. Um, Lionel Dahmer, I don't know if he's still alive now. Um but he was still alive at the time that this version of the comic is published. I want to see. I want to Google. Um, he's in his 80s. He, um, he had a book called A Father's Story um, that ended up all... Be, like, he was going to donate the profits to victims' families, and it all got eaten up by legal fees um, because all those families tried to sue him for releasing this book. Um, and then there was a film adaptation of it that was apparently not very good. Um, Lionel Dahmer, oh, here's an interesting fact, became a strong proponent of uh, the intelligent design uh, theory, which was a belief that Dom, uh, Jeff also uh, adopted before he was murdered, because he became a born-again Christian in prison. Uh, yes, Lionel Dahmer is currently alive at age 82. Wow, it's so weird thinking how close this is to now. Like, you think of it, I don't know, I think of it as being well in the past, but it's, like, his parents are still alive. I was born in 88. He wasn't even caught yet when I was born. Wow. Um, he, um, he was caught on my birthday five years before I was born. Oh, wow. Wait, how old are you? I am 22. Okay. Yeah, uh, 1994 he was killed, and I was uh, in first grade. Um, this was, I believe, around the time that a school administrator um, told my family that they had a future Jeffrey Dahmer on their hands, because uh, I would act up in school a lot. Oh, um, no. It, yeah, that's not the kind of thing that school administrators should tell parents, you know. Nope, nope. Um, but, you know, it was in the... Um, popular consciousness at the time, the early 90s, so I guess I understand why that was where they went with it, but still not great. No. Um, I don't, I didn't drink in high school. I don't think I've ever killed anybody. Certainly not on <laughs> purpose. Um, yeah, it's, then we get to graduation. No, sorry, prom. Um, prom, some, everyone, like his friends, 
air quotes are like no one would ever go to prom with uh, Dahmer so he gets someone to go to prom with him and he mm. promises not to be weird or get drunk and he's not weird he doesn't get drunk but he does leave prom halfway through and goes and spends it alone at a McDonald's eating hamburgers in his car yeah oh and I think before that wasn't he was hiding in the bushes and he saw the jogger go by and he had like a baseball or he was waiting for the jogger to go by with his baseball bat yeah but he never attacks him no but he he said I think in a later interview that he was planning for this to be his first murder and then yep. the jogger just didn't show up that day oh right the doctor yeah it's so and then they graduate and he has no forced socialization anymore so so he, he just doesn't yep he just goes off the deep end fully um we get the very uncomfortable scene where Durf sees him walking on the road and picks him up and takes him home um we get the scene of him um yeah stalking the guy with the bat the the scene with Durf taking him home I read a fun fact about the filming of this they filmed it uh I think it was this scene they filmed something at the um actual Dahmer house they filmed um, a lot at the actual Dahmer house yeah so this must have been part of that um and he got really mad um and he was like this scene's really intense and he was like uh like he cursed Dahmer to the heavens and then all the lights on set went out <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, a fun, creepy fact. Uh, I figure we'll insert a little creepypasta into the Creepypasta podcast. <laughs> um, the, this last, that last scene is really uncomfortable. Um, Dahmer yeah, that's has blood the most... on his hands. He's about to, like, kill him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's, like, the most uh, horror-esque bit of the movie, I found. Like, they're building the tension. They're using the, the, the camera very effectively, I think, you know, so the audience sees things that Durf doesn't. For sure. And... Um... What a tension builder. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting scene because this that scene also happens in the comic and therefore presumably in real life. Um, it is after he makes his first kill, though. Um, like, he looked at, he found out after Dahmer got caught, um, that when he picked him up and gave him that ride home, uh, he very likely had the body of his, like, first victim in the trunk of his car in the driveway. Um, God. unbeknownst to anyone, um, at the time. And all of that stuff with the, like, stalking him and stuff, that was made for the movie. Which you know, that's fine. Um, I think that it's good to add add some stuff there, make it tense. Um, yeah. That was that was the last time Durf or anyone in the Dahmer fan club saw him, um, and uh, he picks up. The, the last scene in the movie, he picks up this hitchhiker who is his first victim. Um, yes. Stephen Hicks, is that I right? think was his name. Uh, yeah, and he is disappeared. He, um, uh, he is the first victim of 17, I believe. Yeah, Hicks. Mm -hmm. Um... The uh, Dahmer fan club meets up about 10 years later uh, for, I guess, it's probably not the 10th we uh, graduation, like the 10th 10-year re mm, reunion. High school reunion? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's the 10-year high school reunion, but they are there uh, hanging out in Cleveland, so, uh, and they're reminiscing about who's where, and Durf says, you know what, Dahmer is probably a serial killer by now, and this was 1988, and he absolutely Ooh. was already a serial killer, but nobody knew it yet. 
Um, So that is the whole thing. Uh, I mean, we moved past the movie now and into the the sort of epilogues from the comic. There's then two pages after all of the uh, notes and uh, biographies where it's when Durf found out. um, July 23rd, 1991. Um, He got a call from his wife, who was a reporter for a paper, uh, a newspaper in Akron, Ohio. Um, and he finds out, and Dahmer was his second guess. He first guesses, uh, his wife tells him, uh, some guy, uh, chopped up and ate a bunch of bodies in his, and had them in his apartment. And he's like, guess who it was? Uh, and Durf's first guess is that it was Lloyd Fig. Um, and then he guesses Dahmer. Um, and it ends there with him saying, oh my god, Dahmer, what have you done? Uh, very sad story. Very good yeah. movie of a, uh, adaptation of a very good comic, I think. Um, weirdly, I don't think that there were any Oscar nods for any of the performances in the movie. No, I don't think it was terribly well received, to be honest. Like, I was looking on IMDb. Yeah, it only has 6.3 stars out of 10. Yeah, I want to check the Rotten Tomatoes real quick, because I thought it was, like, mostly well-liked, but I guess not. Um, mm. I enjoyed the movie well enough. It's, yeah, it's I, got I an think... 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. Okay, but... that's better. Yeah, I think it just it depends on the audience, whether or not you're going to like it or not. Yeah. You know, um, if you if you have a, a true crime interest, if you have any, like, prior knowledge of, of Dahmer, I think you're, you're more inclined to uh, enjoy it. It was a very interesting career choice for Ross Lynch, I think, who was some kind of Disney star before this. Yeah. Uh, and now he's on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, as Sabrina the Teenage Witch's boyfriend. Um, so, you know, maybe he switched back away from... <laughs> I, I think he was the perfect choice for this role, though, to be honest. Like, the physicality just blew me away. Yeah, he, did a, how he, he shifted. did a really spectacular job. I was very, very impressed. Um, same with uh, Alex Wolf, who also comes from uh, children's television as a member of the Naked Brothers Band on Nickelodeon. Um, though, I will say, uh, having this come out three months before Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle and about <laughs> Six months before Hereditary, it's like, what's his career doing? Like, what's happening there? That the like, those are his three movies that came out all within a year of one another. Right, he kind of jumps around. Yeah. Um, Although he is very talented, so you don't find it odd that he's playing all these different, you know, genres. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what's coming up for him. I saw, mm. oh, I saw another movie of him last year, too, Thoroughbreds, um, except it was before he was anybody, so he's basically like an extra in it, because that movie was filmed like two years before it came out. Right. Um, that was weird. I don't think I even noticed that he was in the movie when I saw it. I just saw him on the cast list after that he's just like an uncredited extra in Thoroughbreds for some reason. Um, anyway, do we have anything else to say about this film? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I liked it very much, and I liked the the actors both talent-wise and personally very much. I think it was a really well-put-together piece. Uh, any other anecdotes from the set that you want to share before we wrap up? Um... 
Oh, okay. So I was called a quote unquote featured extra because I was asked to do a makeout scene at the big party that they throw in the in the field, okay. and and it was cut. Uh, oh. So I don't get really the the featured uh, bonus title, um, but that backyard was Dahmer's backyard. So we were all just like chilling out, having a good time where they are theorizing that he scattered some remains. It was a really eerie thing to find out like two days later. That's that so interesting. Having, yeah, I like this think... normal teenage weird thing in a really creepy place. Yeah, I don't think that in the movie it's supposed to be Dahmer's backyard, so that's an interesting choice to make. Um, yeah, it, it was. it's just a huge space. It, it was like the only place they could get. They had like three different <laughs> old uh, 60s cars. That's fun. Um, I think that I'm looking forward to whatever Mark Myers does next, even though his other movies besides this one are not particularly well-reviewed as far as I can tell. Um, I feel like this showed uh, some skill on his part, and I'll be interested to see what he does. Let's see. Let's see what he has coming up next. He's got a movie in post-production called We Summon the Darkness, and a movie in pre-production called Human Capital. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what it looks like, like, uh, like, cinemato- cinemographically? Whatever that long word is. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the not- word would be. <laughs> When he's not basing it off a comic, so is it is it going to continue to be a, a vignette style of yeah. filming, or are they going to be more you know long sweeping shots kind of thing? Oh, this one is about um, the um, satanic ritual murder uh, craze of the eighties that wasn't real at all. Okay, um, where so he's, he's found a, a genre and is going to stick with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, but it's apparently about some uh, some girls who are actually a satanic cult and they kill some people. Uh, and it stars Johnny Knoxville as a pastor. All right. So <laughs> I guess that's something to look forward to. Uh, someone called Logan Miller is in it. I guess he's probably famous. That's a famous sounding name. Um, it, it does sound uh, like a name you should know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. Ale- Alexandra Daddario. I think I've seen her or heard her name. I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Let me look. I'm going to click on it. It's taking forever to load. No, this is... Um, She's someone who's, like, my age, older than me, even. I don't think that she'll be playing, like, a teenager in this movie. Um, anyway, this isn't important at all. I'm gonna close these (laughs) other tabs. Well, I'm gonna see what human capital is about first. The lives of two different families collide when their children begin a relationship that leads to a tragic accident. Ooh, that's like a serious drama. Okay. Oh, it's got Alex Wolf in it. Yeah, I guess they liked working together. Yeah, yeah, no, they were were very close on set. Liev Schreiber, Marissa Tomei, Peter Sarsgaard, and Alex Wolf. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, that's all we have to say about this. I don't think we need to go over the spookiest part, right? Because the spookiest part is that scene where uh, Durf drops him off his house. Yes, yes, by far. Yeah, it's like the only spooky part in the whole thing. Um, anyway, that is the whole thing. Um, can you let people know where to find you if you would like them to? Uh, yes, feel free to find me. Uh, probably Instagram is the best place. Mia Cat KB, so M-I-A-K-A-T-K-B. Uh, and if you're a big-time director in London and want to give me a job, please contact me. Yeah, please do that. Uh, I don't know if anyone famous listens to this show because they refuse to uh, out themselves and tell me <laughs> because they know that I'll bug them to uh, introduce me to all their famous friends so that I can also be a famous person. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, that is, uh, you can find me on Mastodon, mastodon.cloud slash at JK, Snapchat, and Instagram, Jeff JK, that's spelled J-E-F-F-J-K. I know some people have had trouble finding me and were, are worried that that's not, they haven't found the right person, but that's me. It's me. Um, that's, you can go join Creepypasta fan group on Facebook. You can go listen to seeing Reddit, which you can find at funtimes.online or coolmemes.biz both of which redirect to my web, uh, website, weaponizedlanguage.com. Leave us reviews, please. Um, five stars only. If you want to leave less than five stars, don't do that. Go leave that on another show. I don't want it. Um, let's see. Here's a good final line. That night in Ohio, that one impulsive night, nothing's been normal since then. It taints your whole life. After it happened, I thought that I'd just try to live as normally as possible and bury it. But things like that don't stay buried. Jeff Dahmer, interview with psychologist. Dr. Kenneth Smale, Milwaukee Police, August 26, 1991. <laughs>